on? Are we? Hello? Can you hear me now? Hello? Am I on? Oh, I'm on. So, in the infamous words of that really scary movie from the 80s, I'm going to slightly modify. I'm back. Uh, last week was a really special week for me. Uh, when I when I came on several years ago, one of the things that we talked about is that I would be offered a, an opportunity to have a Sabbath every fifth Sunday of the month, which happens about four times a year. And over the years, I've exercised that right, oh, probably a handful of times. And so a few months ago when I was talking about, well, am, am I going to take the fifth Sunday off and, and not preach? Bob heard me. He says, I'll, I'll do it. And I immediately jumped on it. Uh, and so that's why last week you saw me, or, or maybe didn't see me, but I was sitting on the pew with a big smile on my face, uh, worshiping with my family, just, just pouring out. Uh, and that's why you all got to uh, listen to a, a shepherd uh, stand before you and talk about uh, electricity and spirituality and vigilance. Uh, and it was a really great sermon, and I absolutely loved it, and it just got me fired up, ready to go at it for another week. And so, Bob, thank you so much for generously and graciously uh, allowing that interruption uh, for me and, and give, give me an opportunity to, to just be poured into so that I hopefully can pour out into all of you. But before we go any further, is there anybody in here that by chance has a birthday today and it's they're, they're 10 years old today? Is there any... Is there anybody around, is there anybody named Farron who's sitting back there who's turning, happy birthday Farron! <laughs> Big number 10, no more in single digits, like it just, the, the, the world is just right before you. We're excited and we're celebrating with you. So let's jump into where we were uh, several weeks ago, we're in uh, talking about prepositions of God, we've talked about our God is uh, over and above, God is before and beyond, and God is among and around. And what I've, I personally have enjoyed about this study is your willingness to participate in the discussion and allow us to kind of mull over and think about these ideas of where God is. So this morning, we're going to continue that. And so, as I have done in the past, if you are a person who typically likes to listen, I want to ask you to participate in and share. And if you're a person who typically likes to share, I'm going to ask you to just kind of sit back and listen and see if we can't just kind of come up with some ideas of, of who God is in this new uh, preposition we're looking at this morning. But the truth is, this one is a little bit of a, a head-scratcher. And just on the outset, as you hear it, you might say, oh, I don't really know that I like this. I don't know that I even agree with this. And so I'm going to give you the opportunity to disagree. But before we do any of that, as we jump in to talk about who God is, I just want to ask that we just spend a few moments in prayer. So let's do that this morning, please. Father God, we just we ask you to, to come and join us as we have assembled to worship you. We have set aside what's going on in our lives and said, Lord, this is just an opportunity to, to celebrate you, to remember your sacrifice, and to share your story with other people. God, please be with us as we discuss who you are 
how you have come into our lives and how we can respond to that. It's in the name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Okay, so here we go. True or false, God is behind and God is under. Are those prepositions that you would say are true or false? That's the best you got? Come on, say it with a little conviction here. True, okay? Why is it true? How is God behind and under? That doesn't seem like like that's quite right. He's pushing us on and he's holding us up. Okay? Now, if we throw Jesus into the mix, which you should always throw Jesus into the mix, you certainly could say that, that Jesus chose to be behind and under. Paul writes that Jesus made himself nothing to come to this earth. Jesus himself stated that he did not come to be served, but to serve and, and give his life as a ransom for many. John recalled how Jesus washed his disciples' feet. And if that isn't a, a place of being under, I'm not really sure what is. And of course, all four Gospels record how Jesus allowed himself to be tortured, to be crucified, to be blasphemed, and to be killed. And folks, that is way under, completely behind, and honestly, it's, it's totally backwards. And I don't know if backwards is a preposition or not, but it sure seems to fit in with what I want to share this morning. But my question is, can God be behind or under? A God who is above and a God who is holy, could he possibly be behind and under? We've talked about the God who goes before. Can he also be a God who is behind? And so this morning what I want to do is I want to go back to a very familiar passage. But before we do that, I just want to give you a short refresher on the context of what's going on. God uses Moses, ten plagues and a maniacal Pharaoh, to not only to display his power, but also to deliver his people. After plague number 10, which is the death of the every firstborn in Egypt, Pharaoh sends Moses and the Israelites packing. They had been asking to go out into the desert. Over and over again, Pharaoh had said, no, yes, no, yes. And finally, after the 10th time, he says, get on out of here. Go, leave this place. However, Pharaoh is soon going to realize that when the Israelites headed east, Egypt was minus over a million slaves. That was his workforce. And so his heart is hardened, and he decides that he's going to go back and get those runaway slaves that had taken off into the desert. So he grabs his best chariots, 600 of them, along with other chariots and horsemen, and they go out to, to recapture the Israelites who have started out into the desert. The Israelites see the Egyptian army, and what do they do? Remember? Anybody remember what the Israelites do when they see Pharaoh and the Egyptian army coming towards them? They have this 
really kind of kind of famous line that they say. He said, they say that one of them stands up, they give this awesome speech in a sweet Scottish accent, which basically says they will never get our freedom, and they go attack Pharaoh. No, what, what, what did they do, Dorothy? Yeah, and I love what they say. Why did you bring us out here to die? Were there not enough graves in Egypt? Like, like there just wasn't enough room to, to dig holes to put us all in. So you brought us out here so there'd be plenty of, you know, spacious room for, you know, our, our bodies, you know, to rot. Like, we're, we're about to die. Why did you do this? And this is where we are going to get one of um, Moses' most famous lines. And he's got a lot of them, but this is a really good one. Starting in Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, Moses answered the people. He says, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring to you today. The Egyptians, the Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. I love that. That is just, like how many times do we just need to remind ourselves, there is a battle, it's real, it's going on, and the Lord is fighting for us. You just need to be still. How many times do we fret and worry about battles? Like how are we going to handle this issue, this, this, this problem? And God's like, I've got this. You just need to be still. So I love what Moses says to the people. He says, okay, okay, God's going to take care of you. You just need to be still. But then we have the very next verse. Listen to this, verse 15. Then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Okay, be still. Understand that I'm in control. But that doesn't mean that's how you live your life. It's not like I'm just going to sit here and wait and do nothing. He says, okay, you trust in me. Now let's get going. Because you trust in God, you can take that next step. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his armies, through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. And this is what I really love. Listen up in verse 19. Then the angel of the Lord who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, withdrew and went behind them. I feel like this is a VBS song, right? If the devil's in the way, we will run right over him, and we don't leave people behind, right? God was in front, and then he moves behind them. I love this. The pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light 
to the other side. So neither went near the other all night long. Can God be behind? Absolutely. We, we always think behind and under, those must be subservient positions. You know, that, that can't possibly be a place where, where God would be, certainly not where his son would be, and yet they continually choose those places. God chose to go behind his people so that he could protect them. That he says, I will stand watch, I will be between you and your enemy. It's not just a military term, it's a biblical one with spiritual and physical and psychological implications. Okay, so that's a pretty bold claim to say that saying God is behind us changes the way we think, the way we worship, and what we do. So does anybody dare want to help me back up that claim? How can saying God is behind you change the way you see what is in front of you? Okay, you know that you're protected from behind so that you can look forward. I don't, I, and uh, Tim, what were you saying? He's got my back, right? I mean, you're saying the same thing. He's got my back, so that means I can do what? I can focus on what's ahead. Do we have anybody here who has either played football or likes watching football? Right? What's the, what's the worst thing that can happen to a quarterback? Getting sacked, especially when he's hit from behind. That's when he's most likely to get hurt. That's when he's most likely to fall the ball and that's what's driving him to say I've got to get rid of the ball how many times has a quarterback thrown a bad pass that ultimately ends up as an interception because he's worried about who's coming behind him it happens all the time in fact it seems like the, the younger less experienced guys do it the most when they think they're in trouble I've got to get rid of this ball I'm about to get hit and they just hurl it up it's why most junior high coaches refuse to allow their quarterbacks to ever throw the ball. Because once that ball goes up in the air, it starts to look like a duck. And it, as it comes quacking down, the other team gets a free shot at it, right? And so people are always afraid. Now, but we're not on a football field, and so we don't have to worry about somebody hitting us from behind. But don't we still worry about that? Don't we worry about what could be around the corner? Things that we can't see? I mean, what is worrying if it's not thinking about the things that might catch us off guard? But what if I told you, you don't have to worry about that? What if I told you that, that God has got your back? that you don't have to be concerned about what's keeping you up at night. Shouldn't that really change just nearly everything? We're worried about sneak attacks, blows from behind in ambushes while we're sleeping, but God is behind you, protecting you in times of peace, and under you in times of battle, 
holding you up as he wins the war. You see, just like God was protecting the Israelites in their time of vulnerability, he watches us in places where we cannot see. So what does it really mean if we suggest that God is behind us? What are some other implications? If, if God is behind us, that means we're protected and safe, but what else might that also mean? Okay, so now we're walking by faith, right? Okay, so uh, let's go back to the Israelites, right? Okay, behind them is God, and he's between them and what? He's between them and the army. But what's in front of them? The Red Sea. Now, I've listened to lots of scholars talk about what the parting of the Red Sea and where it was, and was it even the Red Sea? Was it the Reed Sea? And was it six inches of water? Was it this, you know, this big wall, this, this wind blowing through? What really happened? How do we know? But here's what we, we can't understand from this. Without God, that body of water was impassable. And with God, it was strong enough that when he released it, it, it caused the, the, uh, Pharaoh and his 600 uh, chariots and horsemen to drown. So it, it, it's substantial. You know, we don't have a number count on exactly how many people crossed over. Estimates, some people will say, some, I don't want to be tacky, but some Bible scholars will say, oh, you know, it was you know, a couple dozen people. But more scholars will tell you, well, that number's getting smaller, will say that it could be around 2 million people. 600,000 men plus women and children. This is a large group of people. And all of a sudden, okay, they're protected from behind, but what does that mean? Where is the pillar not? It's not in front of them. And so we, we kind of have this dilemma of like, we want God to protect our backs, but we also want God to lead us. And sometimes God says, okay, I'm going to cover your back, but I want you to walk forward. And like Lynn says, you're walking out in faith. And there are times that God says, I'm going to be out in front of you. You need to follow me. And there's other times he says, I'm behind you. I've got your back, but you got to get moving. You got to stop being afraid. And there is a lot of things that we can be afraid of. Isn't there? There's so many things. Sometimes God leads us in very obvious and blatant ways. Other times we are called to move ahead without knowing what or where we're going. Another thing we know about this, that if God is behind us, sometimes we just, we can't see him. And we just have to trust that he's And here's another thing that we really need to, to, to glean from the idea that God is behind us. We should rejoice and be confident, stand firm, and move forward. But wait, Doug, you don't understand. We're getting older. People are getting meaner. Money is getting tighter. Have you not read lately? Churches are shrinking. Loved ones are dying. 
and the world is getting worse and worse and worse. What do you call a day filled with hate, division, apathy, and godlessness? Normal. So how can I stand here and say, we need to rejoice, be confident, stand firm, and move forward? Because I believe that we serve a God who protects. I love the military term that's used to describe this action. It's referred to as the rear guard. Several times throughout uh, the Old Testament, God calls his people to have a rear guard to follow the ark. But at this particular time, God says, I am the rear guard. I'm the one who's watching you. There's nothing to be afraid of. Nothing is going to overcome you from behind. That I will allow you to have victory. God is behind us. So don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to move forward into the unknown and the craziness that seems to be overcoming our world and our culture right now. The worst thing that we can do as Christians and followers of God is stop following God. Jesus never looked at what was going on ahead and knowing the persecution that would come, say, it's just too much. I don't think I can do it. I'm just going to stand right here. As followers of Jesus, we are called to do the same. To without fear go into this world and share something that is so countercultural. To share love, to show kindness, and to speak words of peace in a time of anger. To share Jesus with this world. And so this morning, I just want to close out with an opportunity for us to hear the words of God. Now, these are the words found in Isaiah 52. And while they certainly applied to the people then, I think they definitely apply to us now as well. What's going on in Isaiah 52? Well, God's people are in a bad way. There's captivity and enemies, persecution and hopelessness. Don't you kind of feel that way right now? Doesn't that kind of feel like where this is our society is, is now heading? Listen to this. I just, I love this. I, I want this to be our, our, our call and our cry as we go out this week. Isaiah 52. Awake, awake Zion. Clothe yourselves with strength. Put on your garments of splendor, Jerusalem, the holy city. Again, I don't want you to hear this as though he's speaking to the Israelites. I want you to hear that as though this is what God is saying you today. Clothe yourselves in strength and in splendor. The uncircumcised and the defiled will not enter you again. He's saying, I'm going to protect the city. I'm going to protect my people. 
Shake off your dust. Rise up. Sit enthroned, Jerusalem. Free yourself from the chains on your neck, daughter Zion, now a captive. For this is what the Lord says. You were sold for nothing. And without money, you will be redeemed. This is what the Sovereign Lord says. At first my people went down to Egypt to live. Lately Assyria has oppressed them. They've had trouble after trouble after trouble. And now, what do I have here, declares the Lord? For my people have been taken away for nothing. And those who rule them mock, declares the Lord. All day long my name is constantly blasphemed. Therefore, my people will know my name. Therefore, in that day, they will know that it is I who foretold it. Yes, it is I. How beautiful on the mountains are those, excuse me, how beautiful on the mountain are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, your God reigns. That's That's what he's saying. It's beautiful when we go out and we say, this is who God is. Listen, you watchmen, lift up your voices. Together they shout for joy. When the Lord returns to Zion, they will see it with their very eyes. Burst into songs of joy together, you ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Depart, depart, go out from there, touch no unclean thing. Come out of it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight. For the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard how can we be people who proclaim the name of jesus who share love who are kind who talk about god in their workplaces and in their neighborhoods who offer hope when it's hopeless who offer peace in a time of disparity who point to god when no one else will even mention his name other than a slur because god is before us And he's around us and he's behind us. And so let that fill you with confidence. Know that there is nothing that will overtake you. No ambush. Phone call. No knock at the door. Will be greater than the promise that God has for all of us. He says, trust me on this one. If you trust me on this one, we can move forward. But if you don't trust God, then you're stuck sitting where you are, turtling up and saying, I just can't do anything. But that's not who we are. And that's not who we are going to be. We are going to be people who go out into this world, who have God as our rear guard and say, we will show and share Jesus and proclaim the mighty name of God to this world. And no matter what happens, God's got our back. And that's what we can have this morning. Confidence in knowing 
that we have a God who is behind. If you believe that, I'm going to ask you to join me. We're going to sing a song of invitation. And maybe you accept that invitation by coming forward. Maybe you say, it's going to change how I live my life this week. I want you to trust, believe, hope, and obey that God is protecting us. And that changes how we live this week. Please join me this morning as we stand and sing.